Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the final week of the Ninth State Sports Show Lacrosse Edition. Uh, my name is Joe Marchalina, and sitting across from me once again, Dairyfield Boys Lacrosse Coach Chris Hetler. Chris, this is it. This is it, man. Ready for summer, although it still feels like it's the beginning <laughs> of spring. But I don't know. I thought it was, it was pretty warm out there today. I, a little, <laughs> a little pretty humid. Had to turn on the air conditioning. I'm for ready a for bit it. There. I'm ready yeah. for it. Uh, we are once again recording this at Riverside Barbecue in downtown Nashua. Uh, today we will be taking a look back at the 2019 season as a whole. Uh, who surprised us? Who disappointed us? Why can't we ever have nice weather, sp uh, spring weather-wise? Uh, we'll also get into a little bit of what to expect in 2020. Um, before we get started, I also want to mention again, if you haven't already ordered one, the Boys and Girls Lacrosse Yearbook is still available for pre-order. You've got until the end of the month, June 30th, to get your copy. By ordering one, not only do you get a great memento from the 2019 season, but you also help me to continue running NH highschoolsports.com so if you like what i've been doing the last year and in the years past please consider ordering one go to nh-highschoolsports.com click on the tab at the top of the page that says lacrosse yearbook and you're ready to go i've gotten a sneak peek at it a lot of it's it's beautiful a lot of great pictures in there a lot of great information good for coaches for scouting next year uh and like you said just a good memento and keepsake for for the following season you know and and, and i think i said mentioned last week too i use mine when i'm going back through and i need to find standings real quick so if you're you know, someone who, who has a question and doesn't want to take the time to go through links and, and stuff on the Internet, you got it right there in your hand. As an AD in waiting, I, I'm going to mention to the NHIA that we should hire you to, to run all of our standings and, and get scores and uh, things updated. We'll, we'll get you on the payroll. Uh, that, they'd be so annoyed by me. <laughs> I, every day they'd be getting five or six emails. What, why is this this way? Where's the score? Hey, Why, you, know, you, you, no you'd idea. Keep all, you'd keep all the ADs honest, so we'll get, we need you. Well... <laughs> we'll we'll see about that one. See if they like that idea. But I, I I'm well. I won't hold my breath. <laughs> uh, so like I said, we're gonna take a look back um, at the entire 2019 season. Um, kind of you know maybe even go all the way back to to the first day of practice and and, and talk about some things because I know at the beginning of the year we had a lot of um, a lot of things that we were keeping an eye out for. Um, I had actually forgotten that I had put together some kind of early season predictions on the site back in, in early, or excuse me, in late March. Um, we, went, we just went back and looked at a couple of them. And um, I'm a little bit better at this than I might have thought that I, I was going to be, I, if, I, if I can pat myself on the back here for a moment. Um, you know, I'm looking at, I think I made, what, uh, four, six predictions here. Um, and I think I, I, think I, I think can say you were, I think you I were pretty accurate. Four. I, you know, my first one, first one on here was... Um, you know, on the boys' side, we're talking about here um, that Exeter would finish the regular season in the top two in Division One. Uh, and the fact we were talking about that up until the, the very last, the last week, week. Yep. going into games that had huge, huge implications at the end of the season. I mean, Exeter, Exeter did a great job of, of almost pulling through for you in yeah. that respect. You know, and 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 that pick wasn't based out on you know to take anything away from BG or Pinkerton, but more based on the fact that both of them were playing pretty strong out-of-state schedules that I thought, you know, not knowing too much about how, you know, particularly BG because they had a lot of new pieces to fit together, you know, how they were going to do in those games, you know, that maybe Exeter slips by them, but ended up being BG 1, Pinkerton 2, Exeter 3 going into the Well, playoffs. and I remember sitting here at one point in the season, you know, Pinkerton sitting, sitting at 2 and 3 below 500, you know, at that point, you're looking down at their schedule with Longmeadow still on their schedule, Hingham, uh, Cohasset, 
uh, Andover. It wasn't in, in, in a game, you know, still to play. Uh, they had Exeter again on, after coming off a one-goal yeah. game against them. It wasn't unreasonable to think that, that Pinkerton could slide down to a three or a four or even lower um, based, on, based on their schedule. But they did a great job and, and pulled through. So two, uh, two picks that I did hit on uh, involving, you know, mo- teams moving divisions and making the playoffs. I had put that a former D2 team would make the playoffs in D1. That happened with Timberlane getting in, although I kind of hinted it maybe it would be Dover, but I you know I didn't specify, so I'm gonna well, I'm gonna I'm gonna and, check that one and off. Dover had and Dover had a very good season. They were they were as close in a lot of games, and there were some games that you know swung the other way, and and they would have been that team that would have been that team in there. You know, and then on the other end of that, I had a team that was new to D2 making the playoffs. Uh, you know, we had Merrimack and Manchester Central both moving down, getting into the postseason after missing out for quite a few years in a row in Division One, And then from the other end, you had Cole Brown moving up from D3 and coming up, uh, I think, a half game short, half game short of, yep. of making the postseason. So another check mark there. Uh, you know, three teams that I think found, uh, found, good home, found good homes in Division Two that were really competitive all season long. And, um, you know, based on looking at their rosters coming up over the next couple of years, it, it seems like it's a really good fit for those teams. Uh, I mentioned, you know, with the two long win streaks uh, coming into the season for for Derryfield and Hopkinton, um, I mentioned that one of those streaks was going to come to the end. No offense, I hope. Uh, did hint that it was probably more likely to be the Derryfield streak than the Hopkinton streak. I don't take offense to that at all. I think you were, I think you were alluding to the fact that you know our boys had decided to challenge themselves a little bit this year and playing Sauhegan and Exeter and Westwood and along with all the other, uh, you know, I think I'll have to take a look at the standings, but I think we played just about everybody who made the playoffs this year in Division II. Um, you know, it wasn't going to be easy, and we did everything we could. We came up one goal short for, to ruin your prediction, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we tried hard. Well, um, Hopkinton also, you yep. know, had saw its streak come to an end in that, uh, that regular season loss to Pelham. Um, I will say that uh, actually off the top of my head, I think Merrimack Valley might have been the only playoff team that you guys didn't play this year. I'll take a I'll take a um, quick peek, I'm but I know that is one of the teams that we didn't uh, we did not play this year on the schedule there. That hoping in the future years to get them back on the schedule. Um, I did project, uh, you know, that that Hopkinton's Colby Quiet. He scored 81 goals as a sophomore for the Hawks. I said he'd get close to 100 this year. I have no idea if that actually. You know, he he had eight in the championship game, so hopefully he was sitting at like 92 uh, at worst going into that game so i you know if anyone does know that feel free to to shoot me an email uh sports at gmail.com um, but that's something i have not been able to track down yet he you know as a midfielder he may have you know and he was a marked man all all season long so if he did get to 100 points that would be an impressive feat given all the attention that he was drawing coming into the season this year i also went and picked winners for or, or gave out preseason uh picks for offensive and defensive players of the year in all three divisions uh and i pretty much nailed them uh <laughs> uh for offensive player i had bishop gertens sean cameron in d1 portsmouth's cole brahms d2 and and quiet from hopkinton in d3 all three of those turned out to be right uh defensive player i had henry vote uh goalie from exeter in d1 Max Horton from Derryfield in D2, who ended up being co-defensive player of the year with Alex Neville. And then the one the one I missed, uh, I had uh, Kiernan Byrne from Hopkinton being defensive player. It actually ended up going to Garrett Whitney from Laconia. So apologies to Garrett. I, I didn't get you uh, in the preseason there and got you, or you got, you proved me wrong. Uh, 
throughout the season. So but you got him in in his all state. I got him. He's on. He was on the all state so. team. So. Uh, yeah, I, I pretty, I'm it was pretty impressive. To, I'm starting to think I might actually know what I'm talking about. So something, something has got to be. And I think when know. we originally did the the show back in back in March, you, you picked a lot of the picked a lot of the the playoff teams in the final fours as well. Um, you know, there were it, it did shake out a little bit uh, where there were a few surprise teams, but I think for the most part, we pretty much pretty much nailed the uh, the, the different divisional races there as well. So now, now that we got myself patting myself on the back here out of the <laughs> way, um, what do you, what do you, you know, looking looking back now over the the whole season, what would, what do you you know, what's I guess maybe a takeaway from it? Uh, well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pat myself on the back too. I came in and I told you that Sauhegan was gonna go from missing the playoffs to being a, a Final Four team, and they proved me right. Uh, Coach Bertrand did, not you know that that's one thing I took away is. Uh, you know that that Sauhegan team this year overcame a lot of adversity. They stuck together as a group and uh, put together a really nice season uh, before running into the Cardinals in, in the semifinals there. Um, but you know they had a, they put together an impressive winning streak in the middle of the season to kind of save their season and go on a run there. Um, you know the other team that I thought really did a nice job was Coach Gardner's team up at Hanover this year. A team that you know I don't think a lot of people coming into the season expected to do much. And, uh, you know, the kids really bought into uh, a style of lacrosse up there that was team first, and, um, and they made the most of it and, and nearly knocked off Sauhegan, and they could have been a Final Four team too. Those were my big two uh, surprises coming in, into the season this year. You know, and, and overall in D1, um, you know, we, I think we kind of keep waiting for someone to close that gap between BG and Pinkerton, uh, or with, you know, them being the top two and then someone else kind of – getting in there um but i think what really you know and, and exeter you know they had a close game against pinkerton they had a close semifinal against them and they you know they beat everyone else on the schedule looking at what's coming back next year i mean you know bg essentially brings back everyone chris kiley is is really the only graduating senior of significance on on bg's team this year with all due respect to their graduating seniors um you know they're going to be really strong again next year Pinkerton always going to be strong. They do lose some. They do lose some guys. Ryan Osier, Giannamara, um, You know they're, but they just reload. Exeter does lose some defense, but the majority of their offense is coming back. Uh, Henry Vote's going to be in net again, and they've got some. They've got some underclassmen. Their their youth program. We've been talking about it for a while. Coach Holly's done a great job of getting those kids excited. I think Exeter maybe inches even closer. To be in, you know, being close to, to knocking off Pinkerton or, or BG next year be, if they don't if they don't do it. Beyond um, those three teams, I, I was that the, the gap between everyone else. I mean, it's become, you know, I think in, in some years past you could start out the season and say, well, you know, these teams are going to dominate outside of BG and Pinkerton, and, and I think this year, you know, that ne wasn't necessarily the case. I mean, we were talking for a while there of who who's going to be that fourth place team who's gonna f you know who which team out of you know Sauhegan or Nashua South or Londonderry or you know at the end of the season Hanover who's gonna take that that fourth spot um and I'm it, and interested it, to it see was, how yeah, Londonderry I, develops over the next year you know that's a team that maybe a couple kids who <laughs> didn't play this season come back next year and all of a sudden they get a little bit stronger um I, again I was really impressed with them they played a tough schedule and I think drop some games that you know they they wish they could have had back, um, but I, I think that's a team with a lot of upside coming into next season there that that could be a team to watch. 
Um, Nashua South as well. Yeah, I mean, that yeah. was an extremely young team this year. Um, they've only got – they've only had one, they had four two, seniors three, and four. Yeah, the, four seniors were, on there. A couple of them were football kids who I think came out for the first time. Yeah. Um, or who d- hadn't played much in the past. You know, they have the their entire offense returning right. next and, year. And, and the part is, you know, you use the word football players in there. The majority of their kids are now becoming full, you know, lacrosse kids that, that really uh, that really take pride in being lacrosse players. And it's it's their first sport, not, not oh, I'm a football player and maybe I'll come out in the spring and right. hit some people. Yeah. No, these yeah. guys are uh, – that, that's another team that might, might be taken into consideration for a Final Four spot next year. Yeah. Um, you know, looking at, um, you know, I think we talked about a little bit here, you know, in Division Two this year, you know, I think a lot of people probably went in thinking that, that you guys, that Dairyfield was going to be the front runner. Um, you know, and, and early in the season, there were a couple games there that, you know, a bounce goes the other way. Um, you know, particularly that, that one-goal game at Winnicott, the one-goal game against Portsmouth. Um, you know, Portsmouth doesn't get down six goals in the first half in that game. You know, maybe it's you know maybe you guys are, are playing um, you know that first semifinal game against one of those two teams mm-hmm. instead. Um, you know, and and I think if you look at the rest of the division, I mean this, you know maybe we were close in picking a lot of the playoff teams, but if you'd have asked us to put them in order, I don't think we would have come even close to to getting what it actually turned out to be, and it turned out to be a pretty interesting season. You know, and. I, I think we picked – I think if you go back and listen to tape, I think we picked the top eight pretty well. I yeah. don't think we necessarily had them in order. Um, I think the one team – and it really was a matter of injuries and a tough schedule is Wyndham. You know, losing Cody Stevens early in the season and then playing the schedule they had with a new goalie, breaking in faceoff guys, you know, uh, depth. I mean, they, they were not a true 12 seed. I mean, that was a team that had Goffstown on the ropes uh, going in the playoffs and, and played, you know, beat an undefeated, well, a one-loss a one loss Hollis team right, at yeah. the end of the season. Um, they were a team that I don't think anybody – normally, you know, like we've talked about in the, the prior weeks, if you're a five seed and you're getting the 12 seed, you're like, great, get a playoff game, we get a nice win at home. That that, that was not who no, you wanted to see going no. in there. So, And that's actually my team in Division Two that I, I think everybody should keep their eye on for next season. I think uh, – Similar to Sauhegan, you're, you're going to see a team that returns an awful lot of guys, uh, a very potent offense, a good coach uh, that, c- that could definitely make a jump in the rankings next year on D2. You know, I, I wonder how much or, – or, I mean, it was a big part of it. You know, you talked about their, their schedule, you know, and then there's some other teams that played a little bit lighter schedules that ended up a little bit higher up. And that's – I mean, if there was – if I was going to be, you know, you want me, you want me to call, call the NHIA to, talk, to discuss some things, but – you know, maybe trying to come up with some kind of, you know, um, I'm trying to think of the balance, a little more balanced schedule in Division Two, you know, or maybe maybe break division. it into to two like conferences well, that's, type that's of thing. What I was going to say, if you're going to keep the division, and Sean Houlihan and I played around with this a few years ago, you know, you could you could do a Seacoast and a Central Division, um, you know, in some years it's going to be unbalanced in the fact that there's going to be stronger teams in one side than the other. But I mean, that, that, that happens no matter where, where you are. It happens in other sports In other sports too. So, you know, um, and, and ironically the last couple of years, it has worked out that way in the semifinals. Like if you look this year, Derryfield and Golfstown play, right? Winnicott and Portsmouth play. It's kind of been a central and Seacoast championship to get into the finals. The year before it's, it's Portsmouth and Dover for two years. It's Derryfield and Hollis. And Wyndham. And it's Derryfield and Wyndham. You know, so um, 
interestingly enough, it's worked out that way. Um, but I think I think for the most part, you know, if you, if you look at that top eight that that pretty much advanced, in fact, the, the chalk did hold up. Those were kind of the teams we were talking about in the beginning of the year. Now, once you got to the quarterfinals and semifinals, I think you could argue that some teams got a easier or harder game than others. Um, you know, I wasn't thrilled in the fact having to play St. Thomas as a you know as an eight seed in our in our first game there. That was a very talented uh, St. Thomas team that you know again played a tough schedule and four out of the last five years have had to play us in the quarterfinals. I know Sean hasn't been happy about that. Getting tired of playing you guys. <laughs> Um, you know, the, the thing that I think I, I liked to see the most was the fact that you had Merrimack, you know, moving down, picking up 10 wins, making it to the second round of the playoffs. You had Central going 7-6, and six, getting into the playoffs. Uh, they came up short against uh, Merrimack Valley, but, they, you know, that was certainly a, a, an improved season for them. Um, you know, John Stark, I believe, had missed the playoffs for a couple of years. They get to eight wins this year, um, and I know they were close on a couple of others. Um, you know, so that hopefully that's their head in the right direction. Just overall, you know, the the biggest thing to me is 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 the competition. I want to, you know, I want to see, you know, what you know. I know the teams that are struggling and 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 you know have been for a little while, but seeing those teams kind of be able to play it at, at the right kind of level. I mean, that's that's really what you want, right? And I think I think we had that for a lot this year in D two. We had some we had some weeks where like, wow, we didn't expect that to happen. You know, they, and even even the teams that were supposed to win that won, they won close. You know, during during those times. So I think, you know, even though at the end it kind of was the teams we maybe thought were going to be there, um, you know, there there was that competitive balance for a lot of this season in Division Two. You know, you mentioned you mentioned Wyndham as a possible, uh, you know, challenger for next year. Whether you want to admit it or not, Dairyfield is going to be a school that everyone's going to be looking at as the the favorite going in because of the history i mean if you, um, win, if you win championships in a row you know naturally you it's, know, the, and, and yeah. it's the thing yeah. to do and we, we um, do have a good good core coming back um but i i, I think there are going to be four or five teams that we can all well challenge that's next year. Uh, we i know we, we talked about winnicott and portsmouth despite their losses still expecting them to be up there and we, we yep. mentioned that last week who of the teams we haven't mentioned um who, who's maybe if you were to look at it right now and say kind of your your sleeper team um, in Division Two. Well, we've talked we've talked about Wyndham, but again, I don't think they're really a sleeper team because of just the bad breaks that they had this season. Um, you know, I think uh, I think you you can never discount you can never discount St. Thomas or Hollis Brookline. I think those are two programs that you know, based on kids they have returning. I also like I, looking at Kingswood's roster. They return an awful lot of kids. If they improve in the goal a little bit, they prove in faceoffs. I walked away from that game up at Kingswood going, you know what? They're a goalie, a faceoff guy, and maybe like one or two role players away from being a really, really competitive, good team next year. Um, you know, they, I, I think they're a team that, could, that based on their facilities and coaching staff, they, they, could, they, could, be, they could be a good team coming yeah, next that's year. Yeah, um, really that's good a team. really nice turf field that they have yeah. up there that probably a lot of people don't know about because it's it's just so far away uh so i think, think goffstown still has enough pieces you know i think the goaltending situation is going to be good they've got caleb gorton still at lsm uh they've got mccarthy facing off you know they they do lose two really good midfielders um you know and and that's going to be tough to replace but you know they've got a good feeder program too so so it would not shock me to see goffstown still still in that mix as well next year so then you know if if um 
you guys go into the season as the favorite in D2 next year. Um, I got to imagine everyone's going to be looking at Hopkinton in D3, having won three in a row, um, only one loss over those three years, and just, you know, probably a game that, that people didn't, you know, came out of nowhere to some people in that final, uh, beating Pelham 15-5. to five. Um, I mean, they, they were... We, I think going into the year, we thought they would be the team to beat, and they kind of, they beat everyone else except Pelham, you know, throughout the year, but that champion, once the playoffs started, they they changed gears. Well, and, and you know, looking, I, I think, again, returning Colby quiet, how can they not be, how can they not be preseason favorites there? Um, you know, I think, uh, unfortunately, Pelham, they, they had a great season this year, but they're, they're losing, so they've got some significant losses coming into their season next year. Um, you know, I think Hopkinton is a point in their program where, yeah, they're, they're losing a significant number of seniors, but at the same time, they're just re reloading because of the, the great youth program that they've developed there. Um, I was impressed their, with their goaltender in, in, the, in the final game there. Um, in the first half when the game was still close, he made, he made some very good saves to keep, keep, the, game, uh, to keep the game out of reach for, for Pelham for much of that. So I, I think they're going to be in pretty good shape come, come next season. Yeah, one thing that <clears throat> I want to mention this, one thing that Deacon Blue, uh, Hopkins coach, mentioned, uh, he mentioned this to me at the beginning of the season and then, and then said it again, you know, after the championship game, was that they've, um, you know, the youth program up there has grown so much in the last couple of years that they're now able to have a JV team, which, you know, they'd never had before. And what they've done with that is um, they practice together. All of the, you know, the varsity kids and the JV kids are all in the field together every day so that they can have a more cohesive unit. And he talked about, you know, I, I think it maybe showed in some of their, their games this year where we're looking at it and saying, wow, what's up with this score? Well, he was getting more of those, you know, if they got up big, he was getting more of those kids in at certain points just to, you know. To develop that when, for the when future. Yeah. Smart. I mean, it's really smart. Kind of, we kind of do the same thing at, at Dairyfield. We we don't have a huge program, you know. We try and we strive for around 35 kids in our program. We do the same thing. Yes, we have a JV program, but we all practice at the same time. We run the same drills, so that way, when our when our seniors do graduate, the next crop of guys is ready to take in and take over. Um, so, you know, looking at, looking at some of the other teams, um, I well, I like um, uh, I like I like Trinity I like Trinity coming into next season. I know they didn't they they fell to a six seed this year, but really they don't they don't graduate a ton of seniors. And I know uh, just from from the coaching on the club circuit and stuff, they've got some great freshmen coming in. Um, you know, I, I think that's a team that that uh, could could challenge Hopkinton next year. Um, you know, one team we definitely want to mention for this year was um, Campbell, winning nine games, getting into the playoffs for the first time. Um, you know, having a real shot in their opening quarterfinal game against Laconia. They actually beat Laconia during the regular season. And they were I think up they early. Were up they early, were up early, yeah, early. Two in that game. In that something, something like that. It was, it was, a, it wasn't a big lead, but it was a lead um, before they eventually fell. But you know, that's just a, a great job. Uh, you know, for the Cougars to be able to kind of continue to progress um, year after year, you know, getting into the playoffs is is something that really, I mean, it, it just changes the outlook of, of, or excuse me, the perception of your team in the school, within the school. So that's, um, 
I'm interested to see what that'll do for them coming up down the road. They have some significant losses on defense coming into next year, and I, but I think the biggest loss for them is going to be the uh, the the retirement of Coach Beatty. Coach Beatty is going to be stepping down as the, the head coach there. So they'll, you know, if they get the right guy in place there, that somebody's going to inherit a program that's that's on the rise. Are we are we breaking news here? Is that uh, no, no, Coach Beatty? Okay. Coach Beatty, well. I haven't Maybe seen if it you follow yeah. if you follow social media, oh, okay. he, uh, he 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 announced that he would be he'd be stepping down yeah. uh, to pursue other things next year. <laughs> um, you know, and he did a tremendous job with that program. So um, you know, uh, it's great great opportunity for a coach to come in and uh, and take over. Uh, the other team um, making its first playoff appearance last year, Interlakes Moultonboro, finishing out the year seven and seven, getting into the playoffs. Um, you know, they won a playoff game that opening round game against Guilford. Um, that's you know that's got to be a big um, you know big step for them. They came close a year ago. I think they lost out on a tiebreaker on that final spot. Um, so for them to you know again another program that's that's fairly new, not too far into its um, you know varsity history, it, it changes things for them. I think going down the road. I, I think it's I, well the best part about that is I I love seeing the game spread further north. You know when when, when I first started at Dairyfield it was like you know we were going up to Guilford it was the Wild West like you didn't know what was going on up north, and now you know Guilford's become a strong team, Plymouth has become a strong team, Interlakes, Moultonboro. Uh, I heard is it uh, I believe. Newmarket might be doing a co-op with Oyster River, uh-huh. I believe. Does that would that geographically make sense? Would yeah, that, yeah, yeah. There's Seacoast so teams. I yeah, think that um, I think that may be happening within the next year. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of expansion which is going on, which would be great because you know we a few years ago we lost that extra All-American because of uh, programs dropping dropping, and and now to see it potentially expanding again would be great. Um, well, I hope it continues to expand north. One thing that we had, I think, discussed between the two of us earlier in the year was um, the possibility of, I know, you know, looking at the uh, the bulletin board uh, job postings uh, on the NHIA's website that um, Hillsborough Deering has, has openings right, for right. boys and girls lacrosse coaches for 2020. Um, I can't imagine that, that that means that they'll have varsity programs next year, but, My only hope you know, something to coming he, down the road. Their ADs will, will pay attention and make sure they place them properly within, you know, Division Three. I know Hillsborough Deering is a Division Three school for a lot of other sports, but sometimes because lacrosse only has Division Three, you get bumped up to Division Two. And I, I, I hope that the lacrosse committee and, and ADs will take that into consideration and place them where they can where they can grow over time. Uh, you know, <clears throat> let's change gears, switch over to the girls. Um, you know, I think going into the season, we kind of um, – we kind of said it was going to be the big three. Big th- a big three. Turned with, into a big three and a half. So yeah, Hegan, yeah. So Hegan kind of proved us wrong and, and showed that, you know, at times they, they looked really, really good against the top three teams and, and made it to the final four. You know, I and, and looking ahead, I just, you know, I, I think it has the potential to be a big, maybe, you know, if we're, if we're talking in halves, a big three, but I'm thinking that Pinkerton and BG are going to be, you know, a step above everybody else. You got Bedford and Sauhegan maybe in a second tier. Maybe Nashua South gets up there. Um, you know, they they lose a couple of very good seniors from this year's team, but the real core of that team um, was all juniors this year with some sophomores and freshmen sprinkled in. Um, you know, and then maybe maybe Exeter Londonderry is also kind of on the cusp of that. But I think, you know, where we're sitting right now, um, a full nine months away from the start of the season 
I think it's it's Pinkerton and BG, or I think it's going to be Pinkerton and BG again. Based on the youth that BG has and how young Pinkerton was, I, I think I think it's a, that's a safe bet. You can you can put that one on your preseason predictions now and probably look back and smile at that one. It'll come, be in uh, the uh, the yeah. way too early stuff too that's early coming stuff? Out, coming okay. out on Friday. Yeah, um, so maybe that's not maybe that's not fair to 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 pick on that because you know that that kind of is the obvious one. Um, I'm more interested in what's going to happen in Division Two. I think I think Division Two is where you're gonna where we're gonna see some things change in there. Um, with you know how does how does Portsmouth uh, continue continue to build there with, with Coach Squire stepping down and, and all the great work that she's done throughout the years there is that is that dynasty able to continue going there? You know, and and does everyone else close the gap? I mean, I think they've lost one game in the division in the last three years during their during their championship run. You know, and and the other you know the the two challengers this year, Hollis Brookline and Winnicott, they both both lose some pretty good seniors from their teams they returned some good talent back but you know that's the the losing key pieces and then the team that i think that that again uh, just like on the boys side Wyndham, i think is going to be the, a team to watch for next year it seems like they're finally getting you know they had a, a, a group that came in and as sophomores they were good this year as juniors they've got better and then i think as seniors next year and it's a big group too I think they'll be a team to keep an eye on. You know, it's funny. They, they were two – Wyndham and Hollis were two juggernauts in, in Division Three for a long time, winning a lot of state titles there before before moving up to Division Two. So, you know, things go in waves, and, and now maybe that youth program is caught back up again and uh, seen, seen the level that they need to progress to in order to play at, at, at a, a really good Division Two level. I'm, I'm going to go out here, and since I made you – I put you on the spot for the boys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my sleeper team to, for Division Two. Uh, again, not knowing who's going where or what you know what might happen, I think Goffstown is going to be a team to watch for next year. They kind of finished a little bit stronger at the end of the season. Maybe not have the potential to crack that you know upper echelon of the division, but at least get maybe in contention for a home playoff game. Um, you know they don't lose too much in terms of graduation. Um, they've got a lot of youth that's coming back, and you know the I like it. Yeah. <laughs> fear the gri- fear the Grizzlies in 2020. I like it. Um, you know, on the uh, Division Three side, um, yeah, I went back and looked at what we talked about um, going into the season, and um, you know, I think we kind of thought that it was going to be a four, five, six team race there, um, and it really. I, mean, I think it we kind of hit be, on most of the teams yeah. that that we had. I know I mentioned Bo in the beginning of the season as a team I like. I think the one that we were kind of all watching to see which way it would go was, was Laconia and kind of, you know, we knew they had graduated some really good players the year before. Um, still a very good team this year. Ended up as the seventh seed, but, you know, uh, gave Kearsarge all they could handle in that in that quarterfinal round there. Um, so, you know, I think um, the team that I think, uh, you know, was, was interesting to watch throughout the season was Pelham, the highs that they had throughout the season. And then sort of tailed off at the end of the season there, but still a really good really good season for, for a talented Pelham team um, in, in the grand scheme of things of watching a, a very dominant Hopkins team I, I mean, roll through it turned the out, until yeah. the final game. It turned out, I mean, and even in the final game, they, you Jumped know, out they to won a dominant lead. despite being down two players yeah. for, for almost the entire second half. I mean, I don't know if... I mean, I can't, I can't think of too many teams that you take away 
two players, including, you know, the team's best player, or I shouldn't say best player, best offensive scorer, um, you know, how, how many games are you going to win, especially in a championship game? I'll tell you what, you want you want wrap-up thoughts for the entire year. That That's something that I haven't seen in high school lacrosse on, on a regular basis once, let alone twice in a playoff, is Hopkinton overcoming the momentum shifts that they had in that game as well as Pinkerton overcoming the momentum shifts that they had in their game. Pinkerton jumping out to a 5-1 lead and then well, all of a sudden taking going going down <laughs> 6-5 into halftime, yeah. being down 9-6 going into the fourth quarter, and then rattling off eight straight goals to win the game. Well, you talk about that, but, I mean, the girls' game was the, – yeah. the D1 girls' game was a lot, of the, a lot of the same with BG getting out to the lead and Pinkerton coming back and then BG coming back. I mean, I, I, I know people don't necess- aren't necessarily thrilled with, with travel lacrosse all the time, but – I really, th- I, I'm chalking a lot of that up to a lot of these players are playing at a high level out of state against really good competition, and they're thriving in those moments. They're not, they're not withering and saying this moment's too big. I know from my guys had mentioned that more than once this season that, yeah, they enjoy the pressure that the moment's not too big for them. And I think you know, as much as some people don't like it, I think I think that out of state competition really helps these kids in those situations. Well, I, I mean, I. I don't remember if we discussed this last week in talking about the championship games, but, you know, it was brought up to me on a handful of occasions. You know, is that D1 final between Pinkerton and BG? I mean, it's – people can sit here and say, oh, I wish I'd see someone else or they're – you know. But, I mean, that has turned into the kind of marquee game in New Hampshire high school sports. I mean, there's not there's not a game that has – that much talent on the field between two teams at, at any any juncture in the, in, yeah. in the and you know i mean it, the cliche has been thrown out there in newspapers on the radio i think we've all used it where the, the the rising tide raises all boats and and in this case i really think it has that arms race between pinkerton and bg as much as some people would like to see someone else winning a championship it has helped to put a lot of our kids into college. I don't think there's any other. Sp- I don't. I don't think anybody can argue that there's a sport in New Hampshire right now that's putting more kids into college, especially at the D1 level, than lacrosse is right now. And, it, and it's because of uh, the the out of season work that these kids have been putting into into it. Um, so, yeah, it would be it would be nice. But I mean, I think I think. I would say the level, the, the, the overall level of competition has grown in the last, you know, I've been here for 17 years now, and it's amazing how far, you know, it used to be you, if you had one or two dominant kids on your team, you could ride them to a championship. you got to put 10 kids out there now that can all play. And if you have a weakness on your team, it gets exploited. So, you know, I, I, I've talked to several coaches about that, especially in the D2 landscape where they said, yeah, man, we used to have – you know, a football player we could throw out there at midfield, and he'd run through everybody. And you can't do that anymore. You you got to have you got to have ten guys that can all get the job done. Any uh, any big plans uh, for the summer? Or you what, what do you do to what do you do to keep um, or what goes on to, to keep you involved in uh, in the sport? Uh, well, I will be I will be working with the with the Tomahawks. I've working with our youth program. We're going to be traveling around. Uh, I'm coaching the the New England Under Armour uh, national team. We're going to be going down in Baltimore in a week. Uh, we had a lot of lot of New Hampshire guys make that team. It was we had tryouts yesterday. Uh, we had great representation at the at the command level at the rising uh, ninth and tenth graders, and then in the highlight division too. Uh, in our rising eleventh uh, and twelfth graders, we had we had great New Hampshire uh, representation there too. So we're excited to go down to Baltimore and see what we can do. That sounds like a good time. It's uh, a very good time. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I, on the other hand, will be we'll, we'll be wrapping up um, the 2019 season on the website uh, over the next two days. Uh, of course, you're you know this is up there uh, tomorrow or Friday. Um, you know, a couple of uh, more early predictions, uh, expanding beyond what we what we discussed um, today. And um, can't forget the final episode of the season will be up uh, hopefully mid afternoon tomorrow. Um, it'll be tomorrow. Tomorrow, or excuse me, yeah, on Friday. Friday, on Friday. yes, on Friday, yes, yes okay. on Friday. I'm, I was thinking, listeners, yes, listeners listen, listening for all the listeners, okay. it'll be tomorrow. For us talking right now, it'll be Friday. Um, you know, it's gonna be, it's probably gonna be a long one, um, and I think it'll be kind of epic. You know. Get, I can't wait. Uh, a couple, your guys talking about the the ends of their high school careers. It's uh, should be some moving stuff, I think. Uh, and of course, if you're listening to this um, and you play lacrosse or you play some other sport, some other point in the year, you know, when you're interested in finding out more about how to get your team featured on the season, um, you can find out more at nh-highschoolsports.com. Uh, there is a tab at the top of the page that says the season. Uh, and there is a link there that'll take you to an info page uh, where you can find out more and, and send us your your email, and uh, we'll get in touch with you at some point um, in the near future. So yeah, let us know if you're interested in that. You know, uh, just you know, quick plug. Uh, I mean, it was again a, a seamless. You know, Joe came into our practices on a regular basis. You know, and uh, I, my kids really had a great time with it. Um, it was a fun opportunity to get them some little uh, some public speaking uh, lessons, and uh, you know I think they did a really nice job, and I, I think it's a great opportunity for any school to kind of highlight their program. So I would highly recommend it to uh, to any any of the teams in the fall coming up and in the winter, and, and any lacrosse teams out there listening uh, for next spring. Appreciate well, yeah, well worth the investment. Appreciate the, the little plug there, and he is uh, Dairyfield Boys Lacrosse Coach Chris Hetlerth. Chris, thanks again for joining me throughout this season. And it's uh, been a pleasure, man. I, I can't believe it's over already. And just on to, on to 2020, man. Yeah, on to 2020. I had that scene. Uh, remember that scene at the end of Friday Night Lights where he's taking the names down off the off the board and putting them <laughs> in the trash can? I caught myself doing that today. Uh, was, I had a little tear in my eye. I was cleaning out uh, uh, electronically, cleaning up my roster and already projecting, you know, what, what, what the roster is going to look like next year. And it was sad hitting the delete button on some of those there, kids. But there is no, no off season anymore. No off season. <laughs> There's not. And I am Joe Marcellina. Thanks again for listening.